Paco. How's it going, man? Oh, you know how I like to say it, Jimmy. Better than good, better than most. How's everything going on your end? Wonderful. You know, I, I know we were joking about this in the studio before we started recording, but my day got a little brighter hearing how cold it is in Chicago. So <laughs> thank you for that. Your your misery, your... Uh, well, I don't know. You guys are pretty used to it over there, so I, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's the wind chill is, that, is what gets you. I mean, it's a balmy 10 degrees right now, but, you know, once you uh, the wind chill hits, and then if you're in downtown Chicago or by the lake, it's pretty gruesome. So, but yeah, no, like I said, as a true Chicagoan, born and raised, you know, nothing beats it, that's for sure. You know, that's actually a good segue. It's, uh, you know, you're here to tell your story today. How's that feel? It's interesting because I've only done it so many times, like maybe three times in the past, maybe close to 10 years or so that the business has been around. It's been interesting because, as you know, we've known each other for years. I'm an open book. So whoever asks, I usually just kind of just divulge whatever, however much they want to pry into it. And so, yeah, this will be a good time for more listeners to hear kind of how I came to be and all that sort of jazz. So. Let's jump right in. I mean, take me back a little bit to before Prodigy Techs. Like, what were you doing? Paint me a nice Chicago downtown picture, if that's where you were. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. No, so, yeah. So, you know, I was born and raised in uh, Chicago. Humboldt Park is the neighborhood that I grew up in. At the time, it was probably one of the three worst neighborhoods in Chicago. It's kind of transitioned to different ones over the years, but you know, from there, kind of just education was kind of big. And so made my way up to getting my uh, bachelor's in science to computer engineering and jumping into a small business in quote unquote corporate America. So I was a database engineer for 10 years. So I was uh, helping an automotive software firm not too far from where my office is now, helping them with their database and data analytics stuff. Went over to work at a pharmaceutical consulting company doing database management as well. Over closer north into the Evanston, which is probably northeast of here in a nearby suburb. But they say if the city train gets to that suburb, it's technically not a suburb. So and decided to get up there because uh, my daughter had just been born in 2010. So she lived with her mother in that city. So it was just easier to kind of leave work, pick her up from school when she got to that age and so forth. And that's kind of how it was uh, rolling at the time, just uh, nine to five, back and forth, taking care of the little one. And that was what uh, became of my life until I started the business. So uh, what year did you found the business? So technically, I founded the business in 2011, which is a funny story in itself, but we didn't legally incorporate and really get serious about the business until 2013. Got it. And uh, where'd you go to college, by the way? Was that in Chicago as well? Yeah, I went to DeVry University. So I went to Lane Tech, which is a very popular high school uh, for their academics. And it was literally a street over in the backyard of it. And I was very lazy. And I just, in my opinion, I just needed a piece of paper to say I knew what I knew and got my computer engineering degree in three years and went off uh, to work over into that uh, automotive software firm that right after that, maybe two months after that. You had been doing that for about 10 years writing software code? Is that, you know, sort of the day-to-day? Yeah, basically reporting languages. So uh, T-SQL, database management, uh, helping guide a lot of the reporting systems and pulling that data. That's kind of was my day-to-day. Got it. And, you know, taking the train in and out. So how did this sort of morph into a outsource consultant thing? Or like, what was the next step here? I can already sense how this, you know, business started to transition. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's funny, right? Because when I first got involved, you know, I was always infatuated with IT and desktop support and things of that nature. But 
you know, um, the Chicago Public Libraries had this thing called uh, Cyber Navigators. And so he said, hey, you got to get a computer engineering degree. That's where the money is. I was like, OK, cool. It's, you know, it's actual hardware and programming together and, you know, kind of sort it all out. And so that's what I thought was going to be that career path. You know, go ahead and get another good nine to five, write my code and call it a day. And on the side, I was moonlighting slash helping out a buddy of mine with his IT company. He had been at the time, maybe 15, 20 years doing it. He had a split printing slash business as well. And so I would help him out time to time, help him with the bilingual customers, try and bring help him with his sales. And I was kind of his number two at the time while doing my full time. And it ended up turning into a he was a best friend for over 20 years. So I say this lightly, but he just was just chasing the dollar at the time. And unfortunately, it was not my forte. It was all about the value, stick with the customer, understand where their their journey is going to. So it got to the point where it just seemed like if there was a new opportunity that wasn't in line with what he thought the vision of the business, he would pivot and adjust to that, which at this time was training for city dollars. And I just knew the amount of work of building the curriculum, going through that was going to fall on me. And I kind of told him, I said, no, I'm not going to do it. It's just not what I believe it should go. And I said, if this is the direction you're going to take the company, I'm out. And he's like, all right. And so the last phrase he said, and this is why I say this next as a joke, is my business started out of spite. And so what he said was, "Okay, when the money starts coming in, don't come back. I was like, oh, okay, no problem. So I already knew that I had I can start a business and a business can make a lot of money. It just was a matter of proving it. So Jimmy, when I tell you, I had no idea that I was gonna be an entrepreneur or a business owner. I never thought that I wasn't one of these kids that were like selling pencils and pens and you know, I knew I was an entrepreneur at heart. Never, you know, I thought I was gonna be like my old man, working 30 years, get that gold watch, call it a day, right? And so, which obviously that's unheard of nowadays, but you know, that was the mindset, you know, back then just because of what was instilled on me at a young age. And so I got home, I went onto the domain registrar. I kept thinking to myself, all right, what do I want to call myself? There's so many things that are called geeks. There's so many things called nerds because we were, I was thinking break fix at the time. So I was like, well, what's smart and what's unique? And Prodigy came up, right? So I ended up just pulling up that and found the domain was available. I looked on the city's registrar to make sure no one incorporated that name. And that was kind of what happened there for two years loosely on and off and then incorporated it in 2013 and got the uh, show on the road. And that's kind of what started off as a part-time business. So you say that, you know, you weren't someone uh, selling pencils that, you know, that like classic entrepreneur story that I think we fantasize or maybe even fetishize a little bit. But you strike me as someone who's always, you know, gone the extra mile and, and worked hard. Like you don't accidentally just become moonlighting in IT when you are, you know, have a very stable, probably, you know, well-off job on your nine to five. Like I, you strike me as the, the kind of guy who, you know, maybe you, you didn't own all the paper routes in the neighborhood growing up, but but you had the paper route, you know, since you were, could get your working papers, right? Or, or something like that. Yeah. It just, you know, it was an amazing transformation because when I really started getting serious, my daughter was three at the time. You know, it was like, what do I plan to do? Because what a lot of people don't know is that I was actually training for mixed martial arts at the time because I got really big into when the UFC did their heavyweight series on Spike TV at the time. And it was one of those where I got into it. I was like, eh, maybe I could, you know, this could be a thing. And it was the choice of do I get really, really serious with the business or 
do I get into that? And I really can't show up to business meetings with black eyes and punched in the face. Right. So that's when I kind of gave that up, went all in. And um, yeah, over the year, just kind of prep myself to try and remember, all right, X amount of years that I'm going to be here at this pharmaceutical consulting firm in Evanston, and I'm going to start the business on my own. And, um, you know, I was hoping to jump, but I, unfortunately, I got pushed when they kind of downsized that depart department and moved it over to their one of their other offices uh, overseas in Europe. Because in the pharmaceutical land, the U.S. is really the offshore, like the third shift, per se, versus first shift. And yeah, got you know, end of 2016, that was uh, my uh, cue to go full time and now I haven't looked back since. Wow. So you were doing this all sort of on the side and it's your backup thing. And part of you maybe wanted to do it, but you weren't sure for what? For three years. Almost five years, right? Three. Well, three years officially. And then. Well, yeah, three years officially, five years. Exactly. Like you mentioned. Um, right. Because it was just, uh, hey, it's something for a little side money. Hey, it's whatever. And really, it's because, and we'll go into communities, it was, I used to moonlight on the side as a second job as a national uh, break-fix shop that we were doing remote house visits. And the way that they were kind of treating the customers and things of that nature, I thought I could do it better. So ended up kind of doing that as well is when I decided to get serious. And that's what allowed me to really just focus and think, okay, I can do this myself and kind of just move forward from there. So had you not been you know, laid off or downsized or whatever the terminology was, do you think you would have this business today the way it is? You know, that's a very good question. I know that probably it would have happened later than expected, but it's funny you, you say that because when I started that job in 2016, I said to myself, two years, pay down as much debt as I can, and then I'm going to leave. And it was already year three. And I was like, I kept saying I had time, I had more whatever. So it wasn't until, like you said, to get pushed. So I would imagine I would have got kind of, you know, tired of what was going on and move on. At least that's what I would like to have thought. Or being pushed is kind of what allowed me to really wake up per se and kind of get it done. So what was it like not really having an option to fail? I mean, you had, you know, you mentioned your daughter relying on you. That was it. Like you had to succeed in this business or I don't know what you would have done. What was that like at that time? Yeah, it was really scary. It's one of those where, you know, as I think back on him and, and kind of prepping for that, uh, just what did I think at the time and what was my mindset of this has to work? You know, I told myself once I left, I got this two year mark thing that I feel like in 24 months, if you can't figure it out or do something, you need to move on to the next. At least that's what kind of, you know, you own yourself for that time period. So I told myself, OK, you got two years to make this work. If you can't figure this out in two years, then you got to go back to corporate America, because like you said, I do have to provide. I do have to kind of go from there, because in my mind, I've always stood by four pillars. It's being a provider, being a parent, being a partner and being a change agent. And so that's kind of how I, whenever I view something, it's like, all right, where is it in the rank of importance if any of those four were to come? And that's how I prioritize my life. So providing is number one. So whatever I got to do, I have to take care of my daughter at the time. And yeah, man, it was amazing because that was toward, you know, and at that time in the beginning of 2017, you know, I had the severance from my job at the time. You know, I think we were, I was on unemployment, you know, and then I think I was kind of moonlighting on the national break fix shop at a little bit at the time while doing my business. Things weren't really catching. And then I even got to the point where at the end of that year, I had taken out a business loan. I think everyone has heard of Cabbage. So, you know, and at the time before they got purchased by American Express, 
you know, if you took out a loan from Cabbage, you had to eat Cabbage in order to pay it back. So they've obviously since changed those practices. But, you know, and at the time, I think we ended up changing banks or I forgot what the whole scenario was. But there I was with my fiance, who I just started dating at the time in December of 2017 and having a sheriff come nigh and give me a summons for a lawsuit of the loan. So not only did I had a year end, ran out of money, had a lawsuit that I had to take care of, which was like 800 bucks a month at a time, plus rent, plus child, uh, making sure to take care of my daughter, plus being able to get down and do and live, right, and means. So it was a lot in the end of 2017 and trying to figure it out. And so it got to the point where that was kind of that mentality of, all right, what's next? And month by month by month by month until around September, I was at a client job. It was my very first managed service client who's with me still to today and had an accident on the job site where I was supposed to do this cabling. Long story short, the way that they had set up the break room, they were also doing construction in the space. So there was like saw, like door saws that you drill the hole in or whatever. They kind of stacked those up like a hibachi grill for some reason on a bucket with chisels of a, of, of a belt there. And so I was running cable to get to the switch to light up the access point in the other end of the office and I slipped. So I look back and I see the chisels and I'm thinking to myself, oh, don't want to impale myself. So I reach my hand out and I end up slashing my wrist with the hole saws. But it wasn't as bad as like where I thought, okay, I need to go because I slashed my wrist. But it was like it was bleeding. But I was like, I got to finish up. Anyway, fast forward. And the reason why I mentioned this story is because, you know, you would think at that moment it was like, I'm over. This is, you know, this is not for me. This is already a year and eight months. Uh, yeah. Eight months, nine months in. I'm kind of done at this point. It wasn't even that, Jimmy. What got me the most where I almost just quit completely from doing the business, because, again, I told myself two years and I'm already at at the year and eight month mark is I got a call from my daughter's mother that says, hey, are you over at the school? Because it's time to pick up your daughter, because that was that Friday, the first week they went back to school. Completely forgot. And so, Jimmy, when I tell you that, you know, sometimes it wasn't like I said, OK, I'm running against the clock and I got to run over there. It wasn't I had to, you know, all right, I got to do a bunch of these things and head over there. I completely forgot to pick up my daughter. It didn't come to my mind that I had to take care of my daughter. That was the first time in my life that I quote unquote forgot about her. That's what messed with me the most. So I remember I told the client, hey, I got to book it. You know, I'm an hour away. She was upset rightfully. But I remember vividly, it was the weekend of Labor Day of 2019. And it was to the point where I called my mentor at the time, uh, John Dubinsky, who formerly of the Maven Group, but he's since sold and exited his MSP. I said, yeah, I'm out. I'm done. This is it. It's whatever. And the wisest words he told me was, okay, obviously it's been pretty rough. He says, shut off your email, shut off your computer, shut everything off. Wait the weekend. Then go ahead into uh, Monday, or I'm sorry, Tuesday after Labor Day. If you still feel the same way, okay. But if you don't, you didn't make a rash decision. So I followed his advice. I kind of ran through that process. Tuesday, I kind of thought over the weekend. I said, I gave myself two years. I have three months left. What's the worst that could happen? I think I made like three changes at the time, and that was it. Business took off. It was the end of 2018 into 2019. 2019 ended up being one of the better years. And then 2020 was one of my best years. And then we just kept on kind of climbing that that height of success that we had so far. So it just tells you that, you know, trying to figure out when you're forced and you have to make it work. Um, when you put that on yourself, it's amazing on what you can do. Wow. That's incredible. Like, I didn't know all of that. That's amazing. So 
like, do you remember a specific turning point? I know you have that, like that weekend where you kept going, but was there like a, a client that signed up for a big project that made the numbers work or was there something that you remember specifically? The only thing I could tell you is, so I always say three and I always remember two and I never remember the third, but I think the biggest piece that helped me to survive was changing a couple things with the business. We went from annual or uh, break fix to monthly recurring. That was a huge step in being able to do that and changing all of our costs to monthly. So whether it was an annual commit, paying that monthly in that commit versus paying the annual, kind of structurizing that revenue and that cash flow. Because as you know, businesses don't die because they don't have money. They die because of the cash flow. And so that was some, a big thing that we changed. But probably the most important thing that kind of shifted from us was partnering with a bigger MSP. And building a referral agreement where if there was leads that they didn't prefer or they didn't like, we would take them on. They've already qualified them for us. So they're already a warm lead. We talk to them, see if we're a fit and then close that lead and then give the referral, uh, referring MSP a finder's fee, which just speaks to how important community is. And especially where, you know, I had a question asked to me is, during a, a recent survey that a lot of uh, MSPs right now are concerned with competition. And I'm not, that's not really a top worry for me because I think that there's just so much work in general, let alone in Chicago, like you could throw a stone and there's like four other MSPs down the block for me, right? And so I was grateful enough to partner with a friend of ours uh, who's a, a good friend now. She saw the potential we met through an association slash chamber type organization. Uh, we thought we were great compatible and that's kind of what really helped us survive their marketing dollars being pushed in there and our head our head hunting and really our can do on trying to stay up front was what allowed us to survive and thrive as we kind of move forward but i would say that's probably the most pivotal piece for us is getting that relationship going wow and you know you've mentioned community over and over again you've mentioned mentors you've mentioned listening to other people and it's a common theme that competition thing i've heard that from other people heard that from other people on this podcast say the same thing different cities. You know, we had another MSP, Michael Goldstein, on a previous episode who said, there's plenty of work in New York City, right? Where he was at the time, right? I never thought competition was a real thing or community was more important. So that's a common thing among successful MSPs, I think, or from what we've heard. 100%. So how did you get involved with the MSP community and where did you find these people who taught you to build monthly instead of annually and switch from break fix to, you know, MSP and, and do all these things. Yeah. So funny enough. So when I was working at that national break fix business, they had these like forms that allowed me to kind of like, oh, this is how you want to intake form for your client. But I wanted something that was our own or something that I can build on or buy or whatever. So I ran into this community called Technible. So technibble.com, it basically, and literally the, the mantra was turning from computer repair technician to computer business owner. And I was like, hey, that's me. And that was the first time that I actually really realized, damn, there is a difference. There is a difference between being a technician and a business owner. And there's a different mindset to that. There's different things you have to wear. So that community really helped on routing me into another podcasting network called Podnuts. And so Podnuts was really what allowed me to understand community, building relationships, meeting my mentor, uh, John Dubinsky, along with my former co-host and business partner, Jeff Hallish, really just helping grow and find that. And really it was like 
their mantra was no matter what size business you are, you can find success. And that was a huge piece, you know, so shout out to Steve McLaughlin, uh, door to door geek who is over at pot nuts um, at that time, really supported us and really focused on just what we were trying to do. And from there, it just kind of blew up. We kind of just went into really garnering through there, made relationships. Jeff was a co-host of a show and that network. I was given the opportunity to do a show on that network as well. And then me and Jeff from through our great relationship, we decided, hey, why don't you and I actually throw a show not affiliated with the network, just something you and I can do for everybody. Right. And just different taste, different feel that how we think we would like to see that. And so that's where TechCon Unplugged kind of came about. It was a successful event, in our opinion, in Grand Rapids in 2019. And then from then 2019. And then so we decided, you know what? Why don't we do this on our own? Why don't we come out with our own show? Let's kind of grab our own community. Let's try and, and cultivate and really just help bring people together. And so that's where MSP Unplugged came around. That's where that show. Um, so me and Jeff did that for about two and a half, three years. By the way, if you're an MSP listening, you can go ahead, Apple, Spotify, whatever you're on, type in MSP Unplugged, hit the subscribe button. <laughs> I appreciate the plug. So yeah, so, you know, me and Jeff did that for two and a half years. Jeff since has uh, left his business and went to work full time on his job. And, you know, a lot of he's kind of started this about eight years ago and I kind of joined in that faction. So we're now hitting close to our eight, nine years running this, what used to be the computer repair podcast now is uh, known as the MSP Unplugged show. And so I invited Rick Smith on as my new business partner last year. And he owns an MSP out in New Jersey, close over by in New York by you, Jimmy. And, you know, I think you've met Rick as well. So so we kind of just did a different take of it. And so the show still goes on, Tech on Unplugged. The, the podcast now has two shows a week, trying to talk to other MSPs and just trying to do what we can for the community. But more importantly, and this is where me and Jimmy kind of build that great, great relationship, is, you know, we have a, a Thursday show that highlights vendors, but we don't charge for it. We don't ask for much. Our purpose is, one, exposing vendors that are good people to our listeners so that they can, you know, they can build a great community, but also have the ability for them to thrive as a business as well, because that's just what it works. It's a two-way street. And what I like to preach is that, you know, it's always gimme, gimme, gimme from the MSP side, but they never really view the vendor side, especially a startup vendor or a vendor that's trying to really give their all to the community. There has to be a two-way street. So that's the purpose of uh, that show is kind of bridging and really being a true partner, you know, of community. And that's kind of what's been the our focus or our belief that community is so important, not just on the MSP side, but also on the vendor side as well. Well, I appreciate all the work you've done. You know, I think I've been on your show twice already, maybe even three times, to be honest. Uh, always had a good time, always really enjoyed it. So thank you for that and, and all you do for the community. No, yeah, absolutely. No, and I know you guys got a lot of great stuff coming out too. You know, I think, like I said, we've known each other for so long that, yeah, I think you have been on once on a, where you were previously and two where you, you are now and you're, you guys are doing some great stuff over there. I mean, you got, and you also got a lot of my great favorite people over there. You got Kelsey, you got Cynthia, you know, I just met Jared earlier today. So, I mean, you guys got a lot of great people over there and that's, it just shows that the people is what drives the product and the great technology behind it. It just makes it even a well-rounded powerhouse, if you ask me. Thank you. Appreciate that. So I want to dive into like one big portion of this show we'd like to do is some advice for someone who was in a position that you were in previously. I think you know where I'm going to go with this. What can you say to that 
MSP listening who, you know, the dollars just aren't adding up. It's tough. Maybe they have that loan payment. They have whatever it is. They had that moment of clarity. I don't know if it was picking up, you know, a, a child or whatever that moment was where they're just looking at this, like, I cannot go on with this any further. What would you say to that person? Or even like, even if you, if it's easier to just talk to yourself at that time? Yeah. So there's a phrase that a friend of mine always used to tell me, and it's your ego is not your amigo. And so you have to think, you know, whether it was talking to myself or someone listening in is that it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to scale things back. It doesn't make you look like any less of a success. You have to get your foundation right before you can kind of scale up. And if you built on rocky foundation, you got to get back to foundation. You got to get back to basics. And that's kind of what we ended up doing. We've done it a couple of times. I mean, I think really what you have to figure out is like, you know, you're in a, in a total despair where you see the bills and you see the invoice and you just can't figure out what to do next. You know, you just have to ask for help. That's the best way to kind of figure out. Cause that's what I did. I reached out again. If it wasn't for John Dubinsky, I probably wouldn't be here where I am with my business and my framework. And then I've been blessed enough to have him come and work in my business now. So he's now my IT director, helping build a lot of those frameworks and stuff for my team. And so for me, you know, going from one person in 2020 to seven employees now in uh, 2022, now going on 2023. It just is an amazing transition where, you know, you can do it. You just can't give up. Right. You know, you just don't know how close you are to it until you just keep trying all the things out. But that's the purpose of the community community or someone like you or someone in your area that could probably give you that one nugget that just hits a light bulb. And that light bulb is what is the probably the difference in you succeeding. And again, it was a simple change that caused me to be able to pivot and get where I needed to go. You're just one small change away to be able to get to where you got to go. So where does someone find this community or find a mentor? What does that even relationship look like? You know, it's amazing. I mean, there's so many avenues now that you can kind of go to this. I know ASCII is starting to build out their Spark Mentors. Channel Pro started uh, doing some partnerships with MSP Ignite. So you can go to one of their shows, which are normally free. Or if you listen to uh, on their socials or their podcast, you can get a code for them. You know, there's CompTIA. There's so many great avenues that you can go to, even down to just, let's say you you don't have the resources or you don't have the time to kind of go out to these communities. There are plenty of virtual events that you can try and attend to. Even more importantly, there's a lot of those great groups that are in specific social media platforms, whether that's MSP Geek, whether that is on Facebook with your particular vendor, down to LinkedIn. I mean, there's so many avenues that you can go through. Wherever you're most comfortable and wherever you're most available to, that's going to be your best option. But there's so many availability for you to listen, take a look, don't speak opinion as fact, really understanding where that person comes from. And then more than likely, you'll find someone you really like or just build new friendships. You know, I think Jimmy, you know, Juan Fernandez, you know, me and Juan, we met each other during COVID in 2020. It's been not even two years. And like, he's one of my closest friends. And he's just because of the knowledge and where he's been through, I've just soaked up so much knowledge from that. And that's just from an osmosis of man, I really want to know this guy. Same thing with me and you. It's one of those where, you know what? I want to hang out with this guy. You know, he's, you seem like cool people, right? And it's hard to, some people have this self-conscious, like, ah, I don't want him to think that I'm trying to ask for stuff or I don't want to think that, you know, it's amazing. I like you, me, everyone who want to give as much as we can. So you shouldn't have to see, especially if it's genuine, right? Like, you know, we, and we're pretty good about knowing who's reaching out to kind of, you know, get to our networks or, 
you know, get, you know, it's really more of resources they're trying to pull off, but we know who the genuine ones are and who are trying to learn and trying to, and if that, you know, if you're trying to do that, there's no one that's going to turn you down. If you generally are trying to just, you know, figure it out and, you know, and it's, it's a great opportunity to just meet some great peers. Yeah. Amazing advice right there. Amazing advice. Last thing I want to talk about is you've switched from, you know, single person installing the cables, servicing the tickets to managing, you know, seven people over the past three years. What was that change like for you and how did you prepare yourself for it? So it's funny you say that. It's still definitely something we are trying to get better at. It definitely was a transition because, you know, how I mentioned about being that technician into business owner, that mindset, now having the mindset of you're actually a manager and leading people for a journey. Like you are responsible for livelihoods for other people. And what does that mean? Right. And so delegation is just so important because you start to learn who are your number twos, who are your people where if you're out of the business are going to continue to keep letting the business run. And so that transition has been very interesting. All I can say is, you know, you have to have a lot of patience. You have to show them where the landmines are because you installed them. So you have to make sure that they don't blow themselves up with what you have going on. And really just know that if you have good people, they really want to help. I forgot who said this on on a podcast once, but you know the, the real answer or message behind what if you are successful. It's not the revenue numbers. It's not the profit. It's if someone in your business or multiple people care more about the business than you, that's when you really know that you're successful because you've created something that is of value that again, it just it's the livelihoods of other people and it just shows the care that they have because you've put all your all into it and now they want to do the same. So definitely a transition, definitely patience, definitely make sure that you have an open ear. There is no, you know, if you do have a lateral, uh, a ladder system or a hierarchy that you are available for everyone, if you have a small enough team, it's just important to stay grounded as much as possible because that's really what's going to be the difference between you and another, likewise, IT service business because of the efficiencies and the camaraderie that you build. It's great. This has been awesome. Anything else you want to add or say to our viewers before we wrap it up? Best thing to say is, um, yeah, you just got to keep trying. Just keep focusing. If this is something you want to do, just continue to keep focus on. Um, and then I would insert a plug here for uh, Quick Pass because it's an amazing software and system. So if you haven't tried it out, you should definitely do so. And that was a shameless plug, but you know, it just again, I really talk about people you want to do business with, right? And so, you know, for RMM and PSA system, we were on an RMM and PSA back in 2017 and the vendor we're with now just came out and I just, I wanted to do business with these people because I respect them. They listen, they're part of the community and literally told the COO at the time, hey, I want to give my money to you. Like there's nothing wrong with the tools I have. It's because it's the people that make it even better with the technology that's there. Now, I'm not saying do business with the people and the technology sucks if there's a purpose for that. But this is that common case of where you have the people and the technology. So that's why I say that. I say shameless plug, but there's no shame in me being able to say that because it's a great team over there. So that's all I got to say about that. Well, thank you. Appreciate it. No problem.